Well, good morning. Anybody hungry besides me? What? Amen. One guy woke up. Hey, good job. You did not preach this morning. You treached a little bit. Amen. Getting back to the food, Pastor Tangeman took me out to eat last night at a Spanish or a Mexican restaurant. I've been speaking Spanish ever since. We're eating there and great food and we got up to pay our bill. Well, he did, not me. And got up to pay that bill. <clears throat> Somebody paid it for us. Somebody from the church. I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're in the service or not, but I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And so does he. All God's people said? Amen. However, the ever, uh, always spiritual Pastor T whispered in my ear and said, when you thank them, let them know we're going to go to Carabas today. <laughs> All right? So that's where we're at. All right. So I don't know where we'll be, but look us up. We'll be in there somewhere. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you're on the way to heaven? Amen. Do you know somebody in your life that you're befriended or their, their family or there's somebody that's crossed your path that is not saved? Can you raise your hand? I mean, good night. We know everybody, right? All right. You know, during this pandemic, I've been uh, to California, Kansas, Iowa, man, a lot of places preaching and going soul winning on Saturdays. And I, I was in shock. Uh, I was with a guy in Iowa, and, and we went out about 10 in the morning. He said, you're not going to believe this, brother. People are scared to death. I said, they'll never open the door. No, they'll open the door when you can tell them how they can get to heaven and get past this thing. And that old guy was right. Man, we went for four hours. Not one person closed the door. I mean, this was in like March. Not one person closed the door on us. And three people trusted Christ, their personal Savior. Couldn't do that four or five years ago. I want to preach to you this morning a message that I entitled The Drama of the Gospel. And it's in Mark chapter 2. I want you to get there with me. I want to come over here for just a moment. There's five characters in this drama, and each place on the stage is where the character is located. And on this part of the stage is a, a, one of the characters. Uh, he, he's going to be in what we call helpless. He's the helpless character. Will you say that with me? Thank you. You got it going there. Let's try helpless one more time. Man, you got a great song leader here. He gets everybody on key. Those guys behind me, they're pretty rough, but you got them singing pretty good, all right? And uh, so the helpless. Then the second uh, set of characters in my message this morning are the helpers. Say that with me. Ah, much better, all right. Ladies need to pick it up a little bit, all right. And then over here, the third set of characters in this, in this drama are the hinderers. Now, in West, again, West Virginia people in here, raise your hand from West Virginia. Nobody will claim that, okay. <laughs> they say hinderers, all right. But Virginians say hinderers. Say that with me. All right, so we got the helpless in this drama. That's a character. Another place of character or characters is the helpers. Here are the hinderers. Now, we can't play the fourth part. That's the healer. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that, and He's the main subject. He's the main character in this drama. 
But over here at the end, now this won't hurt you. No, don't, don't take this wrong. I want you all to try this. It won't hurt you, all right? The last set of characters are the happy. Say that with me. Oh, boy. Where am I? Okay. Uh, say happy. There you go. Now try this once when you say it. Happy. Ready? Try it. Happy. All right. Now listen. Helpless. Helpers. Hinders. Healer. Happy. As I read these 12 verses, see if you can pick up the characters as I read this, then we'll get right into our message. And thank you. I thank Pastor Carpenter. Thank Pastor T. I appreciate the opportunity to give us to preach. God worked the schedule out. I think we leave good night about 4 a.m. in the morning, flying to Texas, preaching down there all week. And they're so gracious to let me come in there a little bit late, and then they'll keep me a little bit longer too. So I praise the Lord for the opportunity to preach here at the church, and I take it in a humble and, and, and in a way here I want to handle the Scripture to honor and glorify God. Take a look at this. And he, uh, uh, Jesus uh, entered into Capernaum. After much days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, and so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he, Christ, preached the word unto them. Isn't that great? The word preaching the word. Grasp, grasp that, okay. It's fantastic. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not, those four young men, uh, come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and they had broken it up. It's not that it was a little tarp. They broke up a Palestinian roof that runs between 13, 15 to 18 inches thick of mudded material, sticks, straw put together. And it, it was a, a, a kind of a four-foot veranda around most of the homes in those days. There was no steps from the outside going in. There's no steps from the inside. You had to have a ladder to get up on top of that thing, all right, on top of that house. Keep that in mind. And they broke up that house. They'd broken it up the roof. They let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. <clears throat> Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he saith to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way to thine house. And immediately he rose and took up the bed and went forth before them all. And so much they were all amazed. There's the happy if you didn't pick it up. They all were amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw it on this fashion. One of the first times there's a missions work in the making. One of the first time there is a bringing the people to church program going on. Now I want you to catch this. They had never seen it on this fashion. You know, I want you to understand that counting the cost of service and counting the cost of missions, which you got coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, counting the cost to reach the lost in your community. And, and you know, it's, it's not rocket science. 
But God wants us to go out into the highways and hedges and teach them and compel them to come in. And I want you to understand also that as I speak this message today, how does it relate to us? You have to play for the five parts. Uh, You don't have to play them. You can choose to play them. If you're, you're helpless, if you're not saved in here today. Once you trust Christ as your personal Savior in this story, He wants you to become a helper. For these four individuals on that roof, somewhere before, when He's at Capernaum the first time, got Jesus in their hearts. And they wanted their, their mate, that little, that little boy, to have what they had. I want you to keep in mind, they did not bring that boy there to get him healed. They brought him there to get him saved. Amen? Now you keep in mind, helpless to the helpers. And then there's those scribes sitting there. I call them the periodic table of religious idiots. They had just enough religious in them, enough religion in them to just, it'll sink in in a moment, just to make themselves dangerous. And what most people do when they're in that category, they hinder everything. They question everything. And when you've got Jesus Christ in your heart, you get a thing in you called faith that trusts God's with it. Amen. And these guys try to manipulate everything. They never said a word out loud. They just thought it, okay? Then over here is Jesus. He's that healer. We'll talk about him later. And when we think about this story this morning, I want you to let this hover over, your ser- over our sermon. L-O-R-D spells what? All right, good. L means to listen to God's word. O means to obey God's will. R means to respond to God's ways, and D just means to do what God puts in our hearts to do. It is basic. And all God's people said, Amen. sermon over, let's go to Kravas. Amen? No, no. <laughs> let's hold on. All right, we got more to go here. I want you to catch this with me. No matter where I preach this message, I want you to understand that God wants to touch each individual heart in here this morning. I don't care if you're old as me or older, if you're a middle-aged person or you're a young person or you're a teenager, I want to let you know that we're all, if we're not saved, go into that first category. And I want you to know that the Lord, when He gave us the Great Commission, wants us to bring the helpless to Him. So let's start our, our message this morning looking at number one. Would you join me in Mark chapter 2 and take a look with me again there? I want you to catch this thought. And the Bible says this, and we'll start <coughs> in verse 3 here, where it says, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. I mean, that little boy, he was absolutely helpless. He could not get to church. Now, I see some helpless people in my life. One was up in Philadelphia a couple of years ago. I was preaching at Pastor uh, Dominic Pinachetti's church. And uh, I had done the Sunday school hour, and I, and I was getting ready to preach this message. And when I looked in the back, a boy had come in an electronic type of super-powered uh, wheelchair. And he had a computer screen there on that wheelchair. And I was going to use this illustration. I said, uh, preaching about a, a child there that, that was in a ministry I had once that was really crippled, and I just didn't want to offend him. And Dominic said, well, I baptized him last week, but go back and ask his mom, make sure it's appropriate. And I did. So I went back there to ask him. I, pulled, I, I walked back and I said, ma'am, he's sitting here and I'm addressing the mama and not him. And I said, you know, I'm going to preach a message about a crippled child in the Bible, palsy, you know, and I don't want to embarrass anything here. And, and is it okay for, for me to use the illustration? And the little boy was listening. He could not talk. He could not control his throat but he could do enough to type. And he said, why, sure you can. 
when he typed that, the computer told me, sure you can, good night. <laughs> and I said, wow, I've never seen this before. Thank you, he typed out, cool beans. <laughs> and you know, he wasn't that crippled. He had his mind, and he had his hand control, he just couldn't talk, or they had him strapped into that thing. And I, I, I've had other cr- people in my ministries that I've dealt with that, that are crippled, and they had, I'd ride, they ride my bus ministry. I've had some that, 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 that uh, could, could navigate a little bit with a cane. But the worst individual I've ever seen in my life was, and I to- told it to the teens this week, was a young lady in, Mich- in Michigan City, Indiana. Her mom had, during the pregnancy, had taken some drugs. And uh, uh, the, uh, the sister uh, rode my bus and she called me and then the, uh, the grandmother called me and said, listen, my, my daughter, uh, she took these drugs during her pregnancy and it's not a good thing. And she gave birth to the child and it's not going to live very long. And they're, they're all heartbroken and distraught. And now's the time to go witness to them. Pastor Dan, can you go witness to them? And, and Pastor Steve Robertson was with me. So he's about 6'6", six, six, and I'm about 5'6", on a good day. Look like Mutt and Jeff walking into the hospital room. We walked into the hospital room. We've both been in the ministry 10, 15 years. We're mature youth pastors, if there is such a thing. Amen. And, and as we walked in, uh, 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 the mother grabbed me and said, uh, or the, uh, the grandmother, now, Pastor Dan, do not overreact when you see the child. And uh, go pray over it and Pastor Steve there and then come back and witness to the mom and dad. And so Steve and I went over and we looked <coughs> down in the call, uh, down in that, that there, uh, uh, there's like a plastic container, uh, like an incubator. And, and, and as we looked down in there, we saw uh, a child that did not have a left leg. She did not have a left arm. No left ear. No left eye. They had made her a mouth. And every breath was a heave. And Steve's standing there crying, and I'm starting to cry. We'd never seen anything like that. And as we looked at that and, 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 and just see how helpless that child was. Do you know we live in a helpless world today? Uh, this community is helpless without Christ. As the world falls apart, we've got something to hang on to, and that's God Almighty. Amen? No matter what happens. But not only is, uh, is the community helpless, I, I found out that, that a lot of people uh, that live in this state are helpless. They've never heard Christ, never heard the gospel before. And when I see this story in Mark chapter 2, these four young men had a helpless friend and there's no way he could get to church on his own. There's no way he could walk to that house in Capernaum. He couldn't, uh, to this point, I don't even think he could talk. He had no muscular control when you study this. But he had four friends with Jesus in their hearts they had a heart to help get him to Jesus. And they, once you understand that little girl in that hospital, we prayed over her. And she died that, that evening. Can I tell you that little girl? It was not her fault. She did not do anything wrong. And she went out into eternity, but she went to be with the Lord, amen, before the age of accountability. You're not so today. You're a little bit older than her. You know, the Bible's very clear. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Therefore death's passed upon all men. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not, say it with me. One. Every one of us. You know, I see the kids in the nursery. <laughs> little unsafe buggers. 
Amen. I see my grandson. He's unsaved as I was at his age. He's like a carbon copy. Didn't fall far from the tree. Amen. It's dad, not me. It's, it's, it's dad, okay? Now we're all sinners. Amen. But aren't you glad when Adam and Eve threw us under the bus that Romans 5.8 was put in the scripture that God commendeth or giveth his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall have eternal life. But you've got to repent of your sins and trust Christ as your personal Savior. This boy was so helpless, he could not get to church. I was helpless till August 15, 1969. That's when I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. <clears throat> Do you have a day when you got saved? Do you have a day when you trusted Christ as your Savior? If you've not done that, well, hey, preacher, I go to church. No, that doesn't save you. Hey, I, 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 I go to that Baptist church over there in the woods. No, that doesn't save you. Well, I went to Sunday school. That doesn't save you. My mom was a good uh, Presbyterian. No, that doesn't save you. Dad, dad, was a, dad was a praying man. No, that doesn't save you. My grandpa went to church. That doesn't save you. It's a personal thing. Personal thing. Aren't you glad those four boys, those four young men in Mark chapter 2, brought, brought, had the first soul winning, first missions thing I can see there. They'd, no one had seen it like this. They brought somebody to the church service to get saved. Isn't that great? Hey, how many of you folks out here have gotten saved the first time you heard the gospel? Could you raise your hand? A few of you. How many got saved after you went to church several times? Okay. How many got saved after people prayed for you for years? Pulled on you to get you here. And I'll tell you what, this boy was absolutely helpless. He was no different from us. Yes, he had a physical problem. But I'm telling you, Jesus was after the heart first. Number one, if you're in that helpless category, may you trust Christ as your Savior today. May you repent of your sin and leave that area and move over to the second part of our drama, and that is the helpers. This is the good part. Look at verse 4 with me, please, in our text. I want you to catch this with me. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 4, And when they had come not, uh, and they could not come nigh unto him, Christ, for the press, they uncovered the roof where Christ was. He was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where in the sick of palsy lay. You know, <clears throat> this is called the helpers. Your missions conference is coming up, <clears throat> and you're helping your missionaries get to the mission field. You're helping your missionaries. You're going to help pay their way. You pray for them and support them so they can go, go soul winning and they can have discipleship and they can meet in their house or, or the garage or rent a building. It, it's a process. And missions conference is a, like a four or five day business meeting. See if you're going to help the missionary. Oh, there's that word. To get where God wants them to be and do what God wants them to do. And this helper situation in here, I think every one of us will always want to help people to get to Jesus. Amen. That's why you're here this morning. And you all raise your hands already where hundreds of you have friends and relatives and workmates and neighbors that you know not as saved. And may I encourage you this morning, can you help get them to Christ? Can you be that influence? Can you be that testimony? And let me unwind the, the tape here just a little bit. Let me just set on this thought for just a moment. When my wife and I went to New Guinea, we'd been there for about a month. And we hadn't done our laundry and or she hadn't done it. I didn't do the laundry. I just paid for it. She can do it. You know, We couldn't find any running water. We found a laundromat on the edge of Port Moresby. And it was like six uh, uh, washers and dryers. And 
My wife's oblivious to danger, but it was in a dangerous area. And so we had four or five bags of clothes or baskets, and I had an old hickory butcher knife in my belt, you know, so if somebody's going to attack us, I could try to hold them off. <laughs> you know, I was young back in those days and not as smart, but anyway, I, I was going to hold them off. And so I'm standing there and I'm guarding the door and she's doing the laundry behind me and I'm walking back and forth and a little girl walks in with her mom from Papua New Guinea. And I'd been working on the language all about two weeks. I could say, good morning, Adabinamona. I could say, Buddha Harry, how you doing? Me lao, Buddha Harry, I'm doing good. That's about as far as I got. Now, Americans have a bad problem when we learn a foreign language or when we go to another nation, all right? When we try to speak their language, we always go up about three octaves, right? So she looked at me and I looked at her and she hadn't seen anybody like me. And I said, Adabinamona. She looked at me like I was hurting her ears. She said, Adabinamona. Pretty good. That means good morning. And I said, Buddy Harry, how you doing? She said, Now me, Buddy Harry. Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. And I was stuck. <laughs> I didn't know another word. I looked at her. I'm a dumb American, and I don't know any more of your language. I am so sorry. She looked at me and smiled. She says, I speak perfect English. Let's go to English. <laughs> oh. So uh, as we're talking there, I invite her to church. I invite her mom. And Sandy and her mom start talking. They can do English and stuff. And so we, we invite them to come. They put their clothes on our back of our truck. We put our clothes there. And we drove about six, seven miles over to the village called Baruni. We got in there and realized that this girl, little Noi Noi, could translate. Her grandfather couldn't speak a word of English. He was the head man. He was big man Moyette. I mean, he was the, the, not only the mayor of that 5,000, 6,000 in that village, that whole little district is underneath his jurisdiction. And so uh, he, she introduced me to him, and I invited her to come to church, and a mom, and he said, I'll let you come. You can pick him up tomorrow, but nobody else is allowed to come in this village but you. If you, have, if you had enough help, he said this, if you have enough in you to help my sister and granddaughter to get back home today, and I had to trust you with that and didn't even know it, I'm going to let you do this. He said, last year the Catholic Church tried to start a church in our village and we ran them off. I said, wow, that's amazing. And I didn't say it the first hour, but they, they let, he, he kept their 12 pews in pulpit. It was under his house. He asked me if I wanted them. I said, well, not right now, but maybe later. That's for another sermon for later on. And, and you know, uh, Noi Noi came, her mom came. That first Sunday we had about 15, 20 come. Uh, and after about, uh, I'd say six, eight weeks in, we had three van loads coming in and out of there. There's no laws in New Guinea. So we put 25, 30 people in a van and there's about 100 people coming out of there every week, three van loads. And, but that grandfather never came to church. But the first Saturday, my mom, my mom, my wife visited him, or visited with me. She gave him a fourth grade level Sunday school lesson. Fill in the blanks. She did that every Saturday. Noi Noi would translate it through the week to him. He never missed a question over four years, almost a little over four years later, 48 months for sure, this went on. He never came to church once. He would just say hi and bye on Saturdays. And my wife and Noi Noi would swap papers. Noi Noi never missed church. Her mother never missed church. I mean, God was beginning to work. See, when you leave the helpless place, it's not always the preaching and the teaching and doing the big things, but wanting to help people get to Jesus. Are you listening? When's the last time you've helped somebody 
get to Jesus. I led Noinoi to the Lord. I led her mother to the Lord. Hey, I'm the preacher. And I want you to catch this helping. God will open the door. God will give you an opportunity. He will give you a situation. It's up to you to take the roof apart. It's up to you to plan to prepare to be a helper. Kind of bring it to the 21st century. And I, I, I'm a wimp when it comes to tools, okay? So, Pastor Tanzan, what's the first thing I'm going to buy if I go down to Home Depot? What did I buy this morning, first hour? I bought a generator. <laughs> you get the ladder. My friend, you buy the duct tape to hold the kid in. You buy the ropes. You buy the knives. You buy five buckets we'll need, all right? Get some rope to get down in there. Uh, take the dirt off the building and stuff. That, oh, ladder, you got the ladder, right? We get the ladder. If not, we're going to buy a ladder. Bring it into your sensory. What's the last time you've done something to help get people to Jesus? That's what missions is about. That's what bus ministry is about. That's what visitation is about. You can do all the praying in the world, but when you get to where it needs to be, you've got to put some action in this. Amen? Hey, isn't it good to be a helper? Hey, how many of you folks got saved the first time you heard the gospel? How many got saved many, many times? After you heard it many times. I've asked you that. I've, the second time I've asked this. I want to make sure because not everybody's raised their hands in here. A lot of people need to get saved, amen? I'm just teasing. Understand what I'm going to say here. Did you ever have somebody you was going to witness to, but you didn't? They died on you, and you had that opportunity, and you didn't take it. I didn't preach this first hour because I didn't have time. Helicopter pilot in Michigan City, Indiana. I'd flown with him four or five times in the ministry there. And this day we were flying to take a dry run to up from Michigan City. I don't know if he was there when this happened, Pastor T. But he, uh, I ran a camp and I was on my way to get some gas. And this helicopter went over me, the one I'd flown in, right over the interstate there. And as I looked up, this, this, the owner of this uh, helicopter, I could remember the week before I was with him. And uh, he'd give me a $100 bill to pay a kid's way to camp. As we was flying over my property there in, on Brown Road in Michigan City, I had a Charleston Chew candy bar. And he'd come by the house. My wife ran out, and I threw it down at her. <laughs> About hit her, you know. And we waved and went on down to the church and come back. And on the way back, I went to witness to him. And I asked him, hey, have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? He looked at me and he said, well, no, but, and he pulled out a golden Mary he had around his neck. She's always got me through. He said, I've crash landed a couple of my planes, and, and he had a couple of planes and a couple of helicopters. And, but he said, I've all, she's always got me through, and he put that back in. He said, well, can I tell you how to trust Christ as your personal Savior? He looked at me, yeah, we got a couple of minutes. We had their headphones on and stuff. And just as I went to speak, he got a call from the police department to him, and the conversation was over. And uh, as, we, as we flew back to the little airport in that helicopter, I didn't say anything else to him. He handed me that $100 bill, and he took that track, God's Simple Plan of Salvation, put it in his wallet. He went his way, I went mine. A week went by, and that helicopter flying over that interstate a week later, Christ right in front of me. I, my trucker, guy was the first people there when I hel a helicopter hit the ground a Huey 103 it was setting upright it exploded out the back the bubble had exploded off of that little helicopter 
both of them sitting in their seats. We grabbed the pilot, the guy I was going to witness to, but didn't, pulled him about 50 feet away from the helicopter. We turned to go back to get the student that he was training, and the helicopter exploded all over him. We did not know it, but both men were dead when he hit the ground. As we started to do CPR on him, he was gone. When I came to, I'm sitting behind a patrol car with his wallet in my hand. And I opened it up and there was my track that he never read, to my knowledge. You see, I had an opportunity to help, but I did not take it. And if we don't help when we're supposed to, then we slide into this category, the hinderers. Look at verse 6 in my text. None of us want to be here. I hindered that situation. The Bible says in verse 6 in our text, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. They'd come there to question Jesus. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now, they had one thing right. Only God can forgive sins. But they had one thing wrong. They didn't realize they were meeting with God here. Well, Jesus said, listen, why? Immediately when he heard what they were thinking in his heart and his spirit, they didn't say a word. Why? Why reason you these things in your hearts? Why do you think that way? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. Folks, none of us want to be hinders, do we? We all want to be helpers. As we look at this thought this morning, and I don't want to spend too long on there because not one of us want to hinder what God wants us to do. And I want you to understand this. When He opens that door of opportunity, take it. Take it. Take it. Greater is He that is in you than He is in the world. He says, I will be with thee. I'll never leave thee nor forsake you. So when God worked in our hearts, I can see those boys taking that roof apart. I can see that dust settling. I can see Jesus preaching. I can see Him watching the people. And I, and I, I see Him catching those guys getting ready to complain. Aren't you glad He didn't leave any names there? So don't reason the wrong thing. You need to have faith and think the right thing. And that takes me to my healer. I won't spend long on him. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning of the end. He says, I did not come into the world to commend the world, but to seek and save that which was lost. He said, I am the bread of light. I am the light of the world. Once you drink my water, you drink the water out of that well, you'll thirst again. You drink my water of ever-living life, you'll never thirst again. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? I mean, tell you, no one can do what he can do. Can I stop here and just step out a little bit? Us that are saved, <clears throat> us that know Jesus Christ. How many's ever had a rough day? And you're on Jesus' team. How many's ever had a son or a daughter or an in-law turn their back on God? Somebody close to you absolutely break your heart. How many's ever been there? God wants to use you as a helper, not to hinder that. And sometimes we Baptists are known for kicking our uh, wounded and, uh, and starving our young. When we need to have a grace about us to go to work for God. And when our, that healer puts it on our hearts to go after them and help them. God's in charge of this. And with grace you approach it and you try to help them. I'm telling you, not being saved 
is a big problem. But Christians being out away from God to know Christ has turned their back. They're just not living right for God. I'm not judging here. God's Word does. They need help, do they not? And only God can heal them. But let's go over here to the last one, the happy. Go to verse 12. I've got to hurry here. So that little boy was helpless when the story starts. By the end of the story, he's down here happy. <clears throat> and he was helpless, then he got saved, and then the, to be a helper, he wasn't quite there yet. And Jesus told, tells him to pick up your bed and go. As he went, going out of that house, those boys upstairs, those boys on that, you can see high fives coming across there, you know, but I can see them jumping off, forget the ladder. I can see that boy carrying that, that, that bed out. <clears throat> and those guys upstairs, are probably, they're ahead of the food chain here. They know what's going on. They've been there and gotten saved already. They know what's going on in his heart. But for an added treat, stand up, get your bed, walk out. Let's go now. Can you imagine that boy? He'd never picked up a bed before. He'd never walked before. And I could see him walking out in perfect stride going right through those people. I could see those scribes going, say what? I can see those people, those, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can see those boys coming off that roof, and as he steps out on that street, they, they bounce him around like a ping pong ball, praising the Lord for what's happened to his life. Not only did he get saved, he physically got healed. Jesus said, you think I can save a soul? Now watch this. I'll heal this guy. This whole drama was written for you and I, as Peter would quote it, and Mark wrote it. He wants us to see the importance of this. And how do you know, Brother DeLong, this is one of the first times this ever happened? Look at verse 12. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, and so much there was, they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. We never seen it like this. Man, shovels and ladders and taking a roof apart. That's not what they're talking about. Bed coming out of the ceiling, you know. Wow. And then, then Jesus saves him. We didn't understand all that. <clears throat> but that kid's been crippled since the day we've known him. <clears throat> he got up and walked out. We'd never seen anything like this. And the Bible says this. Uh, you probably know Greek better than I do. But it says they all were, uh, what? Amazed. That means they were happy for what took place. Aren't you glad at the end of the day? that you do what God's will is for your life. No matter what takes place, He gives you a peace that passes all understanding. You know, back in New Guinea, and I'll close with this thought, and you can close your Bibles. As uh, my wife did this lesson with this man for 48 months, he called the house one day, or Noinoi did, four years into this, and said, my boo-boo, that's Grandpa, he's dying of cancer. Liver cancer's eating him up. The doctor don't give him long can you bring your wife and bring two translators to the language so he can understand? Uh, Sister Ray knew the language and another lady named Yang. And, and so I got my wife and, and uh, uh, two ladies. We went over, drove over to the village and I got my Bible, this Bible right here, same Bible. And I said, I'm going to go witness to him. I'm going to lead the old man to the Lord. This is going to be, what a trophy, man. I mean, this is going to be great. You know, as I got out of my truck, my wife's beside me. I'm getting ready to go up the steps of this house. It's a high set. And I'm getting ready to go up. And, and, and no one knows, he says, uh, uh, musky, Pastor Dan. That means no in our language. What do you mean no? Uh, 
he don't want you to come in. He only wants your wife and the two translators. Hey, I, no, I'm, the, I'm the preacher here. Yeah, we know that, but he doesn't want you. Wow. Okay, girls, go ahead. You want my Bible? My wife said, no, I got mine. So they went up the steps, and I'm pacing back and forth about half mad. Why didn't he want me? I mean, mano to mano. It's a man's society. A split culture like Southeast Asia. Is just, you know, the women can't even eat with the men, you know. So we're going back. I'm about half mad. About 30 minutes go by. I hear my wife starting to cry, and her voice gets a little loud, and I, I hear the old man pray in his tongue, and they're translating. And sure enough, about 10 minutes later, my wife came out and said, Hey, Dan, he got saved. She kind of went by me. He got saved. That's good. It's real good. Here come Ray and, and uh, the translator, and she's a typical lady in PNG. Hey, Pastor Dan, your wife's better at this than you are. <laughs> you know, and the other lady uh, uh, went down and, 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 uh, and <clears throat> she said, as you'll say in America, <laughs> your wife just hit a home run for Jesus, you know, and uh, he got saved. And Noi Noi come down, oh, Pastor Dan, he got saved, all right? Noi Noi's mom come down, oh, Pastor Dan, he got enough already. I had enough of this. God bless you. Amen. Ladies, get in the car. Get in the truck. I need to go up and, you know, thank him. Pray with him. So I went up the steps. No noise there. He's standing at the door. Tears coming down. His, his body's almost wasted away. Down his face. And I said, hey, I'm glad you got saved. Ah, me, I'm a mas, huh? That belong me. I'm happy more yet. And I said, well, I'm so glad you got saved. He said, yes, yes. I said, why did you not want me to take you to Jesus? Why get to heaven? Why, I'm the pastor here. He looked at me and said, you're not the one that's been bringing him to me for the last 48 months. Translated. Your wife was. Hit a home run there, didn't he? It was never seen on this fashion before. It never been in Scripture much as the New Testament starting to be written. But it was the beginning of the drama of the gospel to be done again and again and again. I encourage you today as I close, if you're not here today without the Lord Jesus Christ, when they start the invitation of the Pastor T here, you need to come down and ask Jesus into your heart to accept Him as your personal Savior so you can go to heaven. Amen? If you're not saved, you're going to go to hell. That's about as plain as English as I can say it. Amen? Then once you get saved, and many, many people raise their hands in here that, that have loved ones and, and, and maybe husbands and wives, maybe brothers and sisters or aunts or uncles, someone in your clan that you know that are dear to you but they are not saved. Can you be that helper to them? And I don't believe anyone here would ever want to hinder the situation when the Holy Spirit talks to you to be a witness to them. The healer, he'll save every one of them. And then he'll heal every... He'll heal every broken heart of a saved person. That's what he does, amen? And then we get to the end of our story. You'll be amazed. You'll be happy how God works. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around. Pastor Tansman, if you'll come forward in just a moment here. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just a moment before we start the invitation this morning. If you're here without the Lord Jesus Christ and would like to trust Him as your Savior, all I want you to do is raise your hand. Say, pray for me, preacher. Pray for me, Pastor T. Pray for me, brother. Anybody at all, just raise your hand. Young person, old person, that you need Jesus in your heart. Who could say, Brother DeLong, Pastor Tangerman, no one else looking around. God spoke to my heart today. I got some loved ones. I got friends. I have workmates. I have neighbors 
that I know they do not have Jesus. And as you were speaking today, God brought their names, their faces, their lives across the chamber of my imagery, the chamber of my mind and heart. And I can be that helper. I can be that person. And God's brought them to my thought this morning. Uh, and the Holy Spirit has, has got a hold of my heart about this. Could you raise your hand and say, pray for me that I'll be that helper. Thank you, sir. Come on, don't be afraid. Put your hand up and wave high. I mean, you've got unsaved loved ones, friends, workmates, many, many hands. And Father, you put your hands down now. Father, we come to you with this important thought. May we be that helper and not the hinderer, knowing you are the healer of all things. And just that many hands went up. This, if we get the, get the witness to these people and let your Holy Spirit work on their hearts. And we have done what you told us to do to bring them to you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be in this invitation and work as only you can work in our hearts. And I pray these things in your name. Pastor Tansman. As Jana plays an invitation hymn, if God has worked in your heart, whatever decision it might be, please come. If it's to pray for someone else, a family member, someone you'd like to see saved, the altar's open. We welcome you. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, we have folk here that would be glad to have the opportunity to share with you His Word. Do what God's laid on your heart to do.